Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. When great events in history occur, do witnesses realize the importance? Looking back on my time now, I realize I was one of the lucky ones, privileged to tell the stories of those times. I'm Orville Mulligan, sports writer. Previously on Orville Mulligan, sports writer. Most folks believe that Chicago was the center of everything. Chicago. That's where you're headed, Don Juan. Ah, Chicago. What a great town that is. You'll be covering the game. Sure, great. But do some digging, too. Get newsy. Don't get yourself plugged or anything so drastic, but but don't be afraid to stick your neck out for the story of the city's best hooch. Broads to die for. How about getting us into Reagan's club this time? An interview with Frank Reagan, instigator of the Chicago race riots? I'd be willing to go there just for a story. But if your mangy selves do manage to get into Reagan's, it'll be because of the gumption of Orville here. Red Grange? I'm a big fan. I'm... Uh... Not sure I can say the same. All eyes of the University of Chicago team, as well as the 35,000 strong assembled here today, are on University of Illinois Junior, All-American halfback, Red Grange. Grange breaks free into the backfield, and he's finally taken down after a gain of 27 yards. Reagan says he's in. The boss says he'll talk with you at his place tonight. Grange on the run, now passing. Grange is doing it all now. Says he wants some good press for his club, his sports club. But only about the athletic. And it's Grange, Red Grange for the touchdown. You got a problem with that? What a play that was. That play alone was worth the price of admission. <gasps> Password is... End around. Shangri-La. And now, the conclusion. Despite the reactions of Max and Huey, this wasn't Shangri-La. Instead, the Reagan Athletic Club was a gin and dance joint. Half ballroom, half cafe. Of the non-prohibition sort. At its height, the Reagan Club's member roles would top 3,000. One can only imagine how many were ever in the club at one time. A representative cross-section of that class of Chicago society who both wanted a drink and weren't above breaking the law to get it. In 1924, that was quite a large class indeed. And at the Reagan Club that night, every type within the class was well represented. Colts themselves and their dates were dominating the dance floor, and likely the great majority of the liquor supply. Throughout the back area, crowded with tables, were dotted all types. The police were in force. There'll be no trouble if you keep your nose clean and your mouth shut, except a drink up, of course. The lady's out for a zesty night of frivolity. Okay, flappers. Well, these are new. Hello, fellas. 
Ooh, we shall be talking to you boys later. Hey, I know him. That's Sportsy. Sportsy from Pittsburgh. The old guys who were probably here when this place was the Morgan. Naturally, they're with Mr. Dougal. Dukes, Dukes, call me Dukes. And since this was ostensibly a sports club, our tribe was also represented. Barry Corwin, good to meet you. Artie Eccles, welcome to the club. Saw you guys at practice. You're the one who's obsessed with the professional game, right? No, the Reagan Athletic Club was in Shangri-La. For us, that night, just then, it was better. So I understand you caught Trixie's act today. I did. Wait, act? What act? Did I miss something good that you didn't tell us about? Oh, occasionally I speak out for the cause. Sometimes Mitzi does too. Guilty as charged. And what cause would that be? I am vice president of the Ladies Against Prohibition, Chicago chapter. Ladies Against Prohibition? Weren't women for prohibition in the last decade? Not all of us. I'll drink to that. Now, enough talking. How about it, you? Do they teach you how to dance in Wisconsin? Well then, come sweep me off my feet. So, how does a nice girl like you end up getting political? Uh, one must do something to fill the time. See, our girl Mitzi is part of the privileged classes. Yes, we lodges have both time and money to burn. <laughs> Don't laugh, it's true. It seems daddy would I just fritter away my life than go to college. Someday they'll try to marry me off to some Tom, Dick, or Harry the Fourth. Until then, cheers! Could be worse. Poor Trixie's already engaged. Engaged? Yeah, she said to be married in a month. She's just not fanatical about it. I don't think your friends mind not knowing. Hey, he's not too bad. So how about you, uh, Molly? Are you another of the bourgeoisie? No, sir. You're looking at a typical country girl come to the big city for work. I'm now a three-year employee of Consolidated Textile. Tell them the rest of it, Maul. You know you want to. Well, if I must, I'm the captain of the two-time district champion AAU basketball team. No kidding. Well, cheers to that. So, Maxie, what's up with your friend? He doesn't talk? Yeah, and he's teetotaling too. What gives, Orville? You a Quaker or something? I may have to stay cogent. He's still on the job. On the job? How's that? Got a meeting with the boss. You know, Frank Reagan. Interesting. Just trying to keep my wits about me. I'll have time for a drink later. Unless we drink it all up before then. <laughs> so go on then, Pittsburgh boy. Add something scintillating to the conversation. Well, I was just thinking of this aphorism I'm working on. Ooh, do tell. All modern people may be divided into one of two sorts. Men and women. Drunkards and temperance. No, woofers and chinners. Explain further, college boy. All right. Go to any social occasion. Party, social... A gin mill! A gin mill. And you'll observe that the two sorts separate from one another. The hoofers will be dancing if there's music. They'll be playing croquet if they're outside, and so on. The other group, the chinners, 
Those are the ones that make a break for the best seats, so as to better debate the finer points of everything physically happening around them. I see. So Trixie and Wisconsin boy are uh, hoofers. Not necessarily. Hoofers can certainly hold a conversation, and chinners can hold their own on the dance floor. But only chinners will argue at a party and in polite society. Hoofers are the only ones who don't mind breaking a sweat. Trixie may be a hoofer, but it's evident she can chin with the best of them when she's out on the soapbox. And Huey? He's dancing it up right now, but he's a chinner. All sports writers are chinners. That's not wrong. You can't escape your nature. And how about you, Molly? Me? I've got the heart of a chinner, but the body of a hoofer. Now you got it. Tom Nix. Has to be a hoofer. He's in silent films. Absolutely. Hoofer. Scott Fitzgerald? Chinner. That's why that marriage will never last. Hemingway? Chinner. Easy one. Well, this hoofer wants to start hoofing. Come on, Barry boy, dance with me. Who could resist? It isn't a question of quality, Maul. The interest just isn't there. If more people knew about women's sports, more people would be interested in women's sports. This is what is known as a logical tautology. And you fellas in the writing game could help, could help quite, quite a bit. A I know, bit. I know, but the interest. This is what is known as a circular argument. Good evening, Miss Hardy. How you doing? And you must be Mr. Mulligan. Good to meet you, sir. Everyone having a tip-top evening? I understand you like a few words, Mr. Mulligan. I would be much obliged. Yes, please excuse me. Mr. Mulligan and I will retire to my office to conduct our business. Have a seat. Your name is Orville, isn't it? Yes. Like the Wright brother. Oh, yes. You know, Wilbur died in a plane crash. Can you imagine that? Spend your whole life dreaming up the idea, building it, working on it, getting famous for it. <laughs> and then, in the last few seconds, you think, maybe this thing didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> you know? It's ironical. Uh, not to ruin the story or anything, but Wilbur Wright died of typhoid. Typhoid? Huh. Well, nothing ironical about dying from typhoid. Have a drink. Cheers. I take it you understand the conditions that have been set forth for our talk. Yes. I am here to talk about the Reagan Athletic Association. No city stuff, no political stuff. Are we clear? We're clear. Very good. Shoot. All right. Um, how does today's Reagan Club continue to uphold the ideals of the original Morgan? First off, let me explain. Mr. O'Brien and I had some philosophical differences about running a club. Oh boy, can these Chicago girls dance? Only the good ones. Besides, you weren't too bad yourself, my cute little Wisconsin badger. Shinner all the way. He's a socialist for crying out loud. Eddie Collins. Gotta be a chinner. He went to Columbia. Ah, chinners are hoofers again, eh? Huey, what are they talking about? Well, see, Orville's got this idea that at any social gathering, everyone will choose either to talk or do something physical. Chinners or hoofers. Oh, fun. So, what about, say, President Coolidge? Ah, now Coolidge is the rare politician who is not a chinner. Why do you think they call him Silent Cow? 
So semi-pro or not, I'd put any Reagan Colts against any team out there. We've already beaten every Chicago team at our level. The Reagan Colts athletes have been described as, quote, back-of-the-yards young men of husky and frisky disposition who are semi-political. Any comment? I think the Tribune employs a lot of writers who don't know what's good for them. Be that as it may, would you agree with that assessment? So our boys ain't exactly born with silver spoons in their mouths. If any of these guys had gone to the YMCA and played with their teams, the newspapers wouldn't be printing this baloney about them. They come to this club with nothing and nowhere. Our coaches, our managers teach them discipline, devotion, and street smarts. They work hard and play hard. And if sometimes they get a little rambunctious, well, boys will be boys, right? Uh, right. And the semi-political part? Have you looked around lately? Women can vote now. Negroes and Indians, too. Everybody's semi-political, or demi-political, or all political. It's a free country, isn't it? Are you suggesting that my cults don't have the same privileges as everybody else? Not at all. Excellent. Then we may return to a more appropriate topic of discussion. What can you tell me about the Reagan Colts baseball team? Ah, uh, now that's more like it. Baseball's a bit of a hard sell in this part of Chicago these days, especially if you can't make a bet. Babe Ruth! Chinner. No, really. Look at his legs. He may be quite the ball player, but he wouldn't last ten minutes on that dance floor with a couple of lollipop sticks like that. <laughs> hey, what happened to Sportsy anyway? He got a private audience with Frank Reagan. Our pitchers are known throughout the state for their accuracy. Deadly accuracy, some might say. What do you mean by that? With all due respect. Oh, respect? I ain't heard much respect out of you so far. I apologize. No disrespect was intended. But eyewitnesses say that Eugene Williams was killed- Who the hell is Eugene Williams? Eugene Williams was the 17-year-old whose death led to the race riots here five years ago. Is that so? Yes. Some eyewitnesses stated that he was hit near the temple with a rock from a distance of 70 feet. That's incredible accuracy. Almost like a well-disciplined pitcher. I resent the implication, Mr. Mulligan. Turn out there, Huey Cutie. Sure. How about you, Bean Eater? You about ready to quit chinning and drop your limit? Well, when you put it like that. Hey now, ladies. Why you been wasting your time with the local hacks and the hicks from the sticks? Sticks? You ever hear of Boston? Ah! You hear that? Boston! Boston! Love those red socks! Not exactly a testament to Chicago. Can it, you boy? Unless you want an even fatter snout! There's three of you ladies. Three of us. The band's playing. How's about you partner up with me, you big tall glass of hooch? That was one unflattering comparison. But 38 people died in the race riots. Hundreds were injured. 2,000 people had their homes burned down. So, what's your point? 
Well, a Reagan Colts member started the whole thing. Says you. And all over Chicago, Reagan Colts were seen encouraging rioters, inciting violence. Rumors and hearsay. All right, I'm not particular. She's cute, too. Hey, I liked her. Dance with me, sweet stuff. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Get a load of this, guys. A brave Polak. As I was about to say, I'm here to dance, and I'm dancing with her, so come on. Let go of her. Or else what? Or else this. Boston won. Chicago nothing. Here's your tall glass of hooch, you big ape. Uh, the better part of discretion, etc., etc. Uh, come on, doll. Let's get out while the getting's good. And what of the dozens of arrests for homicide and violence since... Is, is that supposed to scare me? No. It's to help keep things on the level, see? I'm sick and tired of all the crappy chicken scratches and printing about. I need people to know what the Reagan Athletic Club is about. Building bold, brave young American men who play hard and who win. What I need at present is some good press, not some holy Joe from outside drinking my booze in my club and then telling me how to run my business in my own city. Now, I suggest we get back to talking sports, or I might become very... What the hell? Holy... Attention. You have all interrupted my pleasant evening of drinking. As such, this establishment is closed for the night. Anyone who has not left the premise in 40 seconds will be arrested forthwith. Now move it, people. O'Malley, what the hell's going on? Your boys got out of control. You really ought to put a muzzle on some of your mutts, Frank. One of my mutts? Which one of your polecats put the hole in my roof? And who's going to pay for it? It's freezing outside. Could snow tomorrow. Now don't get your knickers in a not Frankie boy. First of all, it was me who was firing. Second, somebody I'll come around tomorrow to fix the damage to your already decrepit ceiling. And third, get a bucket. A bucket? For collecting the dripping water. It's gonna snow tomorrow. Bah. Careful now, careful. Yeesh! Can you even see out of that eye? Ow! Hey, what happened to Sportsy? Ah, knowing that straight-laced mech, he's probably already filing his story. Take it easy on the door, will ya? Who the hell is that? Orville Mulligan, sports writer. Pittsburgh Guardian. Is there a problem, Ossifer? He's just saying words. Get him out of here. But, Mr. Reagan, it's okay. I won't write anything about your racist cadre of would-be Don Juans. Boys, take him away. Away? But I'm press. I'm press. Well, I'm not impressed. Let's go. Wait, how long am I in for? It's Sunday, champ. Means you'll be staying here for the night at least. Until the court opens. Till then, you got the whole place to yourself.
Well, this isn't too bad. Almost as good as the Carlisle. No bell, though. wasn't quite my last experience of Chicago, November 1924, but after Reagan's club, the rest was destined to feel like an anticlimactic coda. But I still got to have my case heard before a judge who accepted the prosecution's story that the police had raided a speakeasy of forgotten location, found no alcohol, and made just the one arrest. Me. Sentence was passed accordingly. Guilty on the charge of disturbing the peace. The fine is one dollar. Next case! I checked out of the Carlisle, but I was definitely disappointed to note that the bell had been removed altogether. I did get one pleasant surprise, though. Oh, this telegram arrived for you last night. Pleasant journey. Thank you. Sorry for terseness lately. Can't explain simply. Stop. We'll talk soon. Stop. Be safe, Orville. Stop. As I walked back to the train station, I felt how usual-seeming this stunningly brash yet literally intoxicating metropolis had already become to me. And again, I felt that sentiment of the traveler. In three days, this city has left an indelible mark on my spirit. I might spend 30 years here and not leave a trace on the place. But then again... But reality has not lived up to its promise and has proven a failure. So vote against the 18th Amendment at your next opportunity. Amen, sister. Thank you, tourist boy. Perhaps the gentleman would enjoy a smoke. Much obliged. But shouldn't you finish your talk? Ah, uh, they've heard that one a few times. I, I need new material. So I assume you survived the raid last night? Not exactly. Did a night in the drunk tank, paid my fine, and now I'm right as rain, though. Well, you certainly got the full Chicago experience. I certainly did. Oh, and I never did congratulate you. Congratulate me? On your engagement. Oh, don't. I mean, thank you. Thank you. I I'm sure it'll be a grand feat for the Bradford and Vern families. Father already insinuating at the tremendous extravagance of it all. And I'm sure Thomas will make a proper woman out of me. Proper? Please, dear Orville. You're obviously an intensely clever fellow, but you know nothing of the ways of high society. You see, in two months, my life will be little more than hosting, socializing, occasional travel. I'll stay buttoned up, prettied up, you always syntactically and uh, satorically correct, usually sober. All I have to give up is the speaking for the cause, and smoking, and clubbing with Mitzi and Molly and the girls. <laughs> I, I've never felt so wonderfully footloose and carefree as I do on those dance floors and those dance halls. I've always known my time of freedom was fleeting, and so I remember every night on the town, everyone I meet, soon I'll, I'll miss them instead. Oh, listen to me, playing the poor little rich girl. I'm just being so selfish, aren't I? There are greater things, after all. I, I want to have children, Orville. At least two girls, maybe a boy, maybe two. One can't have anything at once, I suppose. I suppose not. Well, 
enough of this. I, I've got to get back to spreading the word. Right, right. And I've got a train and all. Yes, you go back to Buffalo. Pittsburgh. I know, I'm just fooling with you. You go back to Pittsburgh and make it up with that one girl who's always on your mind. How... You're an open book, Orville Mulligan. Marla. Her name is Marla. You take care of her and take care of yourself. Yes, ma'am. Temperance is a superior moral alternative to all our prohibition of alcohol. Nowhere in the civilized Trixie's plight world may be common among the upper crust, but her effervescent manner and almost pragmatic enjoyment of sensual excitement was pure Chicago. South Train Station was the icing on the cake, a final reminder that this place was as incredible as its people. Or, put another way, incredible. It's a bit like Shangri-La. Or home. Or of a mulligan. Sports writer. Last call. You have just listened to Orville Mulligan, sports writer, an audio drama podcast from Number 80 Productions and the Sports History Network. Episode script and story by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Special thanks to author and historians Josie Emba, Jennifer Taylor Hall, and Chris Willis for their additional research on this episode. Orville Mulligan Sportswriter stars Doug Fye, Ilana Fye, and Eric Bodwell. This episode co-stars in order of appearance Scott Leet, Aubriana Lavalle, Mindy Grossberg, Vernon Poitras, Joe Gallegos, Cademan Holland, Forrest Hartle, John Roberts, and Don MacGyver. Directing by Eric Bodwell. Sound recording and editing by Don MacGyver. The theme song of Orville Mulligan Sportswriter is Dayton Triangle's Rag and was arranged and performed by Bruce Smith. Additional music provided by David Liso of Dynamo Stairs. Orville Mulligan Sportswriter is produced by Darren Hayes and Oz Davis. Series concept by Darren Hayes. Keep your dial locked to this podcast station for the next exciting episode of Orville Mulligan Sportswriter coming soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and PigskinDispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on SportsHistoryNetwork.com, PigskinDispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.